What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Modern Day Cyber Podcast. My name is Philip Vallejo, one of your hosts, and I've got um, Kalen here, one of the other hosts. What's going on, Kalen? Not much, man. Just wrapping up our uh, our Labor Day here in Yakima, Washington, and uh, we we hit up the Ellensburg Rodeo. It's a family tradition, so it's a nice wrap up to a good day. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, it's Labor Day weekend, if you can't tell already. But uh, for those that are tuning into the Modern Day Cyber Podcast for the very first time, we are a podcast talking about uh, the relevant information of, well, we try to stay relevant in the information of long range shooting, precision rifle shooting, you know, regardless of your archetype. We try to cover all uh, spectrums for long range shooting, professional military law enforcement snipers, hunters. Uh, competitive shooters and even if you're just a long range enthusiast um we got a special episode for you guys uh we're gonna go kind of back to our roots of sniping it's been a while since we did uh talk a um kind of sniper episode so we're excited to kind of talk about that nothing obviously um obsec wise uh but uh i think uh it's definitely a good conversation to have um, with, uh, not with everything going on, but just, you know, just some food for thought for people that are currently, uh, serving in those, in those billets. Um, but, uh, for everyone that, uh, else that's back, welcome back. And, uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoy the show. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. It's been, it's always been on my mind. And I think we're, we're kind of at this critical junction within uh, that realm of the community that, there's going to be some some significant changes coming down the road, and it it's just a, a good opportunity to start talking about this this sort of thing to to hopefully plant some seeds uh, in the decision makers' minds. Like, yeah, like I'm not even going to say it's subliminal messaging. I'm just going to say it's messaging. So, um, it's a skill that that really has not evolved, other than the equipment utilized to to. Uh, to use the skill, right? So, you know, back in the day, quote unquote, back in the day, we would, we were milling targets. And when my boss at the time was going through school, they just wanted them to get to within a quarter of a mill, right? So if they got within a quarter of a mill, um, they could, they could state that they would reliably be able to hit uh, an echo silhouette, right? And it's just like, ugh, I don't know about that, man. I mean, yeah, did people pass? Um, yes, obviously they passed because there's, there's snipers running around out there. Uh, they met the standard, but the problem with that is that you're not really, you quickly realize that that is more intuitive shooting than anything else. Uh, as you learn how to use your reticle, you know, they were a quarter of a mil. That's like, obviously com completely insane when it comes to, uh, the accuracy of the, of the range that that formula spits out. And then when uh, you know, my time during school, it was a 10th of a mil, but we were using a reticle that was just a gen one mil dot. Right. So it was just like, we had a center crosshair one dot, and then some scopes had round dots, which were two tenths. And then some scopes had, um, we called them, uh, ellipticals or footballs. And those were, uh, 0.25 tenths. Um, so, or, uh, 0.25 mils. Um, so, it was really, really difficult for guys to figure out how to mill to within the nearest 10th. And it was just like, it's an interpretation, right? So you had some widely uh, scattered ranges to targets. And of course the, you know, like the, the target has to be perfect. It's gotta be perfect perpendicular to you in order for you to utilize the mill relation formula to any accuracy. So I know you had, I know you taught, you logged a lot of information about this at, at, while you were teaching. And I super, I commend you for that because um, I didn't have the wherewithal at that point in time to, to log that information. So I'd love to hear what you have to say. We've had some good conversations about this stuff because I truly believe that this is starting to, to be a legacy skill, especially with the fact that we're coming up on 2022. Yeah, I, I, um, it's, it's kind of funny. I can tell you've been kind of stern with this because you went, you dove straight into it. <laughs> and, uh, <to laughs> I, give, I'm sorry, to, man. I just, yeah, it's all right to give some of these guys and, and to, to backpedal a couple here because I, I was tracking everything that you were putting down. Um, but I, just for our viewers that probably, you know, um, have never heard of mill, milling or maybe they have, 
but um, obviously it's introduced to uh, military snipers to uh, identify uh, a target. I mean, I guess it's not just snipers, but you can utilize the skill um, if you understand the distance or the, um, uh, the uh, um, dimensions um, of your target in inches. Um, but yeah, so you essentially use, uh, your size of target in inches and you multiply it by a, um, so we're a coefficient. Is that right? Is that the right word? Um, uh, a constant constant. That's what that geez. Okay. So you take, uh, your size of target in inches and you multiply by a constant and for meters it's 25.4. If you want to get in yards, it's 27.778. And then you divide that by your uh, reading in mils. And then obviously you can work just like algebra. You can work that around. If you know your actual target um, distance, you know, to figure out how big the target is in inches, or you can figure out how wide that target would be in mils, which is typically a lot of competitors figure out um, is understanding, okay, how much, you know, mill or mill threshold do I have with a wind call or whatever the case might be. But the Kalen's point in terms of gathering data and stuff like that, um, you know, typically the, the, the downside to, um, you know, milling at the schoolhouse is, oh, let's talk about a couple of the pros, I would say. Let's start with pros. So from a newer shooter standpoint or even just a, a newer sniper, I believe a couple of pros for uh, the um, the... A skill is to obviously just know what it is right um and you know be able to do that in the case that like worst case scenario they don't they don't have the ability to you know maybe the rangefinder goes down whatever the case might be and they're able to mill out other dimensions in their ao such as you know tires um you know I, i'd say away from like doors and stuff like that because in different countries right you're uh, your construction and building, you know, it's going to be completely different from standard us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the first one is understanding the actual skill set, And then number two is understanding and, and being able to kind of like pick out and read your reticle. Uh, mm-hmm. so that would, I'd say those, those two things. Now there's a lot more cons to it, I would say than the two pros and the cons starting with, um, number one, is your target is never, ever, ever going to be ever perpendicular to you unless you set it up that way, right? Um, Especially a moving target. Uh, You have to know the direct or you have to know an approximate amount of how big that target is in inches, right? The second that you start, you know, kind of guessing, and that's when you start compounding. Um, Number three is when you do it at school, you typically do it in the prone or with some kind of stability. I mean, when you're obviously overseas and you're watching, especially in in an urban area, right? You're most likely going to be set up in some kind of alternate shooting position. Imagine keeping your wobble zone on a target that's moving good enough to be able to then mill out that target, (laughs) mill out that target. Yeah. That's, and that's the, that's the thing. I mean, that was, I mean, honestly, like if we look back at the the need for that, it was like, uh, it was definitely a need, right. And, and snipers needed the ability to gather a range to a target. Yeah, absolutely necessary. They learned their lessons from uh, the Vietnam war where the, the scopes that they were first issued were not, obviously they were just target scopes. There was no ability to range estimate. So um, guys had to rely a lot on maps um, a lot on just training the brain, training the eye to, to interpret the distance visually um, and or just straight target reference points and, and known points from range cards, pre-established range cards, from range cards from guys that have been there before and verified those ranges. So then you move into the red field three to nine, right? When that scope came out, there was the really rudimentary kind of like ramped style um, range estimation uh kind of bars in there. And that wasn't good enough because, um, you know, it wasn't made for, you know, five foot tall Asian guys, you know, Vietnamese running around in the jungle. So, um, there were pitfalls to that. And so when the solicitations went in for a new, uh, a new sniper weapon system optic, the Marine Corps elected to start to use, um, a version of the worm rule, 
which is uh, the worm rule is um, basically a, a, a formula that allows you to calculate um, the adjustments for calling uh, supporting arms for artillery and mortars, naval gunfire. So you would um, you would identify, hey, I need to shift um, this many mils, right? So you throw your binos up there and the center of my splashes are, you know, 50 mils to the right of the target. So then you convert that 50 mils into uh, yards and communicate that through the fire direction center and you have your adjustment. So the Marine Corps is already used to using mills, right? Mills were a thing. And so everybody understood um, how to use them, or at least um, from a call for fire perspective. Then they decided, well, we could use that same, that same angular unit of measure, uh, shrink it down and create a rifle scope with dots in it, specifically exactly one mil apart, uh, one mil radian. And then we could utilize a mathematical formula to calculate the range to the target, but we have to know the size. It's an algebra, it's an algebra problem, right? So we have to know the size of the, of the target in order to get a range to it. And that's super critical with that formula. Um, because shooting the cartridges that we, that we were shooting at that point in time were pretty much just kind of like fat and slow. And they had um, a very, very narrow danger space. We're going to get into danger space a little bit later um, as we talk about like the nitty gritty, but you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Badass. Like, all right, I got this rad tool. And then, you know, you see it all the time on the internet. People post up pictures of like a dude walking in a reticle or of a spotting scope or an elk. And everybody's like, how far away is that elk? How far away is that dude? And you're just like, bro, come on, like, come on, just stop. It is a tool, but it's a tool that's used for milling out objects on like on targets themselves, like hard objects, uh, such as like, like you mentioned, like tires, um, cinder blocks, um, wheels, things like that. Like you could measure those things out. If you could find some commonality, we did that on my, my Iraq deployment. Um, we all had personal range finders when we deployed, right? So that was a huge game changer. Um, we didn't have to worry about it, but what we forced everybody to do is, Hey, in the event that that thing gets blown up or nuked or whatever it is, you need to know how to mill out targets, right? So we had a little booklet of, or at least I did anyways, I had the average size of, um, the, uh, there were these orange and white taxi cabs. Like they had like a orange, a white hood, orange door, white door, um, orange trunk. And they all had 15 inch wheels. Right. So I wrote that down and then cinder blocks in our area that we were at were a certain dimension. They were pretty consistent. And then bricks were also a pretty consistent dimension. So those are really good three objects that we could use to get to to establish a range or as close to an accurate range as possible. We also had, um, we also had some really good uh, imagery at the point in time, uh, technology wise that um, called Falcon view that would give us, you know, directions. It would, it was basically a um, satellite imagery, very similar to Google earth um, that we use today. Uh, Google earth is actually far more advanced than Falcon view was, but um we could utilize that, especially in an urban environment to, to, to say, okay, from, from this building to this target reference point is exactly 353 yards. So we had lots of ability to come up with accurate ranges that did not involve utilizing the mill relation formula. Um, and now, I mean, shit, that was 2004. So it's damn near 20 years, right? 18 years. Um, so we are progressing. I don't want people to think that we're not progressing. We are progressing, but it's largely in the SOCOM and higher level or the special operations command and higher level. Um, granted reticles are still showing up uh, today with, with um, very complex ranging systems in them or very fine measurements. The tremor three goes all the way down to a 10th mil, um, which is extremely difficult to identify the resolution on unless it's on a perfect flat, nice sunny day with a, a white target or a, a hard line that you can actually see those tenths in there and interpret them. And you're laying in the prone you have all day to do so, relatively speaking. So there's 
there's just, I'm trying to come up with, I'm trying to get everybody to understand that there is a better way. And obviously number one, that's handheld lasers. And we have to stop like all the old guard guys. I know I'm going to really piss you off, but I don't really care because you need to hear it anyways. It's a legacy skill and we really, it's 2022 and we should not be putting that much emphasis at the scout sniper basic course on milling targets, especially when we start going into numbers um, with what the current projectile that you're testing those students with and how those stack up with your ability to even estimate range within a 10th of a mill. That's a great point. And, and I think, I think the goal is to have them understand like, okay, is it, is it an important, is it something to teach uh, in a curriculum? Absolutely. But is it something that a curriculum should focus 40 to 50% of their time on doing? Absolutely not. Exactly. Right. Maybe exactly. 10%, right. Hey, this is what, um, this is what it is. Uh, this is when you can use it. This is how you use it. Do an immediate prac app and that's it. Right. And then maybe, you know, throughout the deployment, you know, one sustainment, but you know, I, I see a lot more far, far more issues with like gear management, um, you know, built uh, shooting from positions and stuff like that than million actual target. Now, exactly. One of the things that, again, we we've talked about and, and why, you know, the, the 308 is, you know, so the gold, and this is just from what I remember, um, being at the schoolhouse and just being, you know, through the grapevine, I actually never did any, any deeper, um, uh, study into this. So I'm just kind of regurgitating what I heard, but the furthest that anyone can typically mill out a 20 inch target, 20 inch wide by 40 inch tall target was about 800 yards slash meters, 800 meters. So that was the furthest that we had put targets out for unknown distance for the schoolhouse. So if you guys are unfamiliar with one of the qualifications and it could change, it could have changed recently. Um, but this is just when I was, um, teaching and when I went through cyber school, but, um, you had essentially 10 practical applications or, a, a, a student goes through 10 practical or 10, uh, qualifications. And out of those 10 qualifications, they have to maintain an average of 80% and they are unknown distance qualifications. So what they would do is, um, we'd set up steel or actually students would set up steel and I'd be on the uh, main fire line with a rangefinder, And then I would just essentially with a radio tell, uh, these Marines, Hey, this is where I want you to put this steel, this steel, so on and so forth. Uh, targets one through 10 were all full size IP six, uh, per the POI, uh, for the Marine Corps scout cyber curriculum. And, um, they did that for, they did that 10 days straight on the range, Te uh, technically 13. Cause you had another, uh, uh, three days of actual prac app before you went into qualification. So you did that for 13 days. And mm -hmm. now that I think of it, I could think of 13, I could think of actually 10 other training days that would accomplish more in terms of marksmanship training tasks and uh, an individual's, um, skill level behind a rifle, uh, than having them do the same shit over and over again for 13 days straight. And, and, and I think, you know, I know we're preaching to the choir here and a lot of, of cybers are probably going to listen to this that are in like, you know, what the hell, but, um, I just think for, for those that are not familiar, you know, um, with that program and kind of where Kayla and I are coming from, because, um, and I was just talking to our, a good friend of ours that works out of Badger Ordnance, uh, Jordan Gerber, about this, the difference between, and I'm not trying to age you here, Kalen, but the difference between when Kalen went through cyber school to when I put my last student through cyber school back in 2018, um, the only difference in terms of marksmanship skills is that they shot off tripods. That was it. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. And that was the evolution. I mean, that's, a, that's a, about the, a 18 year difference. Yeah, man, it, this is one of those things that, that if we're going to progress forward as a community, okay, so right. All right. I got the little, I got my, my rant out of the way, meaning like I got off my chest what I needed to clear before we actually get into the meat of this. Um, but a lot of you guys are, and it's the same thing with our law enforcement brothers. Like you guys, I mean, I've seen schools where you look at the training plan, it's like three hours dedicated to mill relationship, range estimation with mills. And you're just like, what are you doing? You will never, ever use that. And it's, and it's in your curriculum because 
there's nobody there to take a, to take a critical look at it and say, this does not need to be here. We should not be teaching you this. We have, I literally only have 50 hours to take you from a door kicker dude to a guy that, that is competent to be on a target site with a bolt action rifle and understand what his mission is. Right. And not only understand what his mission is, but execute it. So this is, we're not trying to like, it's now we're looking into the nitty gritty. We're going to look at the why, and we're going to arm you guys with the information that you need to make the intelligent thought out arguments that you need to make positive change. Because the only way that you're going to be able to, to, to invoke positive change within your organization is to look at it from a data standpoint and do you're going to have to do it until you're blue in the face. But every time you have an opportunity to bring it up, it's got to be, it's got to get brought up. If you have to set up demonstrations, you set up demonstrations, you know, use your, use your head, be creative, but do it being armed with the real knowledge and the real numbers. So that way you can show it and display it. So the, the thing that always, you know, was so peculiar to me was that, yes. Okay. So let's go back and, and start looking at this from a devil's advocate standpoint. Do I get super familiar with, with my ability to interpret where the target is on the range? Like Philip was saying, Hey, we're, we're shooting in the same spot for 10, 10, 11, 12, 13 shoots, right? You usually like, you get like two practice shoots, three practice shoots. Then you go into 10 graded shoots every day you're setting up those targets or you're having the students set up the targets on the range. So, you know, the, they're going to be able to remember somewhat somehow where the, where the targets are on the range, but it, it just, you still have dudes failing from, from unknown distance. And it's got nothing to do with their ability to interpret their reticles. What it has to do with is the fact that, that we're testing these students with a weapon system that is not capable of shooting as accurately as you can mill the target. But, and what I mean by that is let's just say like right here, if I milled out an 18 inch wide target and I got it at 0.8 mils, right? If I got it at 0.8 mils and the reality of it was, is that it was really 0.9 mils. That is, um, well, 0.9 is 555 yards and 0.8 is 625 yards. So what ends up happening is, is the student gets into this conundrum and the student's like, uh, what should I do? I'm going to tell you right now that if you shoot that target at 500 for 555 yards, when it's really 625 with a 308 going 20, shooting 175s at 2650, it will miss and it's going to miss big. So here's the, here's, here's a little look at the numbers. I ran the solution in the Ford off solver and I'm going to go ahead and say, all right, um, 500, 555 yards. I'm going to go ahead and enter that in. Okay. That's going to give me a come up of 3.8 mils. All right. Or 75.6 inches. All right. So now I'm going to go, okay, let's go to 625 yards. 4.6, actually, let's just call it 4.7. It's 4.68 mils. And then we have a drop of 105.2 inches. Okay. So let's chew on that for a second. A 555 yard target requires 3.8 mils of elevation and a 625 yard target requires 4.7 mils of elevation, exactly 0 .9, 0 0.9 difference. So if that target, right, if that target was, if that target was not at that range and the shooter shot at it, he would miss huge. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be on the plate. And we all know that the farther away we are from that, the harder it is to get that second round to correct. So it just gets worse as we get farther out, right? So that's 555 yards. Most people would look at 555 yards these days as a chip shot. However, if you get a bad range with something like the 308, um, you're going you're gonna to have some serious problems trying to figure out what the next correction needs to be. And the next correction, you know, we know is, is if, the, if there's more than like four or five tenths of correction, it's really hard 
depending on what's behind the target to get a correct, a second round to hit that target. All right. And then obviously we have wind compound into that as well. So meaning if you have both windage and elevation, you're going to have a bad day if you miss. You know, one of the things that I I've been noticing lately, even with myself, I'm, I'm really guilty of this is, is saying, Oh, I've got a, I've got a, you know, 20 by 40 inch target. So I've got room for, I've got room for error. Right. Right. And, and honestly, like that's not, that's not anywhere near what the goal is for being a, a precision rifleman. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is um, you should train with so much intention that you want to put that bullet exactly where you want it, right. Where your reticle covers, right. Given a wind call and your distance to the target, you know that you're putting that bullet and threading the needle where you want, not, not this, Oh, I've got, you know, 18 inches to, to play with here. Right. And I'm hoping right. I'm, I'm going to get within the 18 or I'm going to be hoping I'm within the vital zone because if you can train to that standard, right. Obviously when you see a, when you do see a 20 by 40 inch target or a full, you know, uh, military age uh, person, that shot is going to be so much easier. But if you just, if, you know, if you train to the mindset of like, Oh, I've got room for error. It's, it's all right. Uh, um, I can be lazy with this math or whatever. You're not, you're not training to the standard that you should be training to with the capability of the modern rifle systems that we have today. Right. So if you get a guy, if you get a guy, even at the basic level and he has, he has the ability to have, um, you know, uh, a laser range finder with his rifle and he has the ability to have that. Yeah. Obviously we need to train him and, and, to display competency with utilizing his, his, his reticle to establish ranges to targets. But it, I do not believe that it should count so heavily to his overall score as a basically trained sniper when it really truly is a legacy skill. Right. So think about how many drills that you can do, Philip, like think about if you were able to, to just do like one or two shoots or even just, not even shoots, but, but rain, but just range estimation, right. And do it as a practical skill with like a yardstick, you know, stuff like that, test the student's ability to do that and then train him how to shoot that rifle as a combat sniper. Right. So breakout drills, tripod drills, barricade drills. These are all skills that you could, you could, advance the, the, you could advance the competency of a basically trained sniper by increasing his availability or his ability to have a laser range finder. Yeah. And so one of the things that we did this year, or I would say we started, I think November of last year, but we essentially came up with our, you know, um, modern day rifleman evaluation, uh, both basic level and advanced where, uh, you essentially, and we're almost going to start create, making it almost like a, um, a requirement to come to uh, one of our courses with a range, with your personal range finder. Right. And, you know, yeah. we understand if you're like on a budget, like you really just have a rifle, that's fine. But like, if you're taking an advanced level classroom, <coughs> we're expecting you to have a pocket laser range finder. And there's a lot of great options out there. I mean, I think the $350 one uh, that we talk about all the time, the Nikon four black, that no, that 4k black is badass, dude. It goes hand. It goes literally neck and neck with my, my $2,000 Terrapin X. Um, yes. The glass qualities is, is shitty, but like I said, um, that didn't matter when I used it to shoot my mule deer last year. Like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yep. it's like, Hey, I, I have the general area. I picked out a hard, uh, um, uh, areas of interest that I knew like, Hey, this is, you know, kind of my threshold. And then as soon as I saw it, it's just like blazed it. And then, you know, went on with my merry way, but there's no, like you said, there's no excuse. Um, you know, and, and talking to, um, you know, so many snipers that are currently in today, like that's one of the, like, the team leader at a minimum has a, a range finder within arms distance of, uh, the, the 40 or M110 SAS. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. So if that's the case, then the, 
it should, I believe that it should be presented to, to adjust the, the basic course unknown distance qualification, yeah. because now you got to start talking about like, well, now you have the ability to start talking about, okay, well, let's train these dudes for body holds because this is not, that is not an advanced skill. I don't believe that it's that, that utilizing and understanding body holds is an advanced skill. I, I think if you were able to, to get a dude to understand, Hey, okay, this is your, you know, this is your, we're going to give you an unknown distance course of fire. We're going to give you, you can have your laser. We're going to prove that you have the ability to engage lays, locate range and engage targets on your own. Um, and then you introduce those dudes to uh, basically TRP engagement zones or body, you know, whole body hold zones, right? So, Hey, this TRP is at 460 yards. This is, this is my max limitation, you know, behind that TRP and in front of that TRP using nothing but body holds, because that's truly the way, um, especially in an urban environment, that's how it's done. Like that's legitimately how it's done. There is no time to do any of this stupid high speed shit that everybody thinks that you're going to be able to do with these reticles that are floating around out there. It's not going to happen. I'm just telling you right now, it's not, it, things are too fast and the, the, all the speed relate, all the speed milling stuff. It's just like, man, um, it's, it's not going to work and you can do things faster, especially given the fact that we have access to technology, right? So there's no reason that every sniper out there shouldn't have a, a handheld laser rangefinder, or at least every sniper rifle comes SL3 with a laser rangefinder. That should be SL3 gear as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The, uh, I, I'd really love to, uh, I'd really love to have a discussion, um, with, uh, one of my former Marines, or I shouldn't say my former Marines, one of my um, former students who was the chief scout uh, and the team leader um, of uh, the recent incident in Afghanistan. He was providing overwatch for the ECP. Wow. And unfortunately, um, they weren't able to really do much. Uh, but I'm curious to hear his take on how everything went down. You know what I mean? Because uh, I can only imagine, right, as soon as everything happened, you know, uh, people were getting on calm. There was just so much chaos. Right. And again, if a target of like, I'm just thinking about like the amount of pressure that, that, uh, and, and just stress that those Marines have at that point in time. And literally the only thing that they would, I know that I would revert back to is dialing my dope and looking for my target and aiming center mass. Yeah. Right. Not trying to figure out what holds to make, you know what I mean? And obviously yeah. if they have a good, good enough range card, but like all this crazy shit that's fucking blown around out here, out there, like there's nothing wrong Can with you imagine thousands, thousands of people out there. Yeah. That's it's, insane. It's insane. Yeah. There's nothing wrong you, with dialing and dialing your dope to your target and using the center of your crosshair. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of those things that, you know, having, I cannot even imagine looking out at the sea of people and saying, holy shit, like legitimately, this is like the last, this is, I am the last line of defense to keep people out of this airport, right. To keep people out of this, this controlled area. And that's insane. I mean, I've been there, I've done it like not with that many people, yeah. not with that many people. So definitely hat goes off to those guys. And it's, this is one of those things that's like those conversations need to constantly be happening. So that way dudes can stay at the forefront of, of this, of this skill set because it's a big deal. One of the things that, uh, you know, Jordan and I talked about for a couple hours the other day, uh, it was really insightful conversation because he had spent, you know, some time in Afghanistan with three, five, uh, and they did some serious work that deployment, but you know, he's really, he's kept up with the industry and everything that's going on right now with um, the acquisition of, you know, uh, new systems and, you know, all the, all the things going on. He's like, well, a lot of shooters are, are, are especially upcoming snipers and, and is, yeah, they want the capability, but what mission is there out there right now that they're going to be able to get, right. That allows them to even use that capability. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Totally. 
Yeah, um, what's, like give an example. Uh, so for instance, like everyone wants to push out to like 12, 15, 2000 yards with a, with a, with a precision fire weapon system. Right. Okay. When are you ever as a sniper, are you going to try to compromise your shooting position, taking a shot at a, a human sized target at 15, 1600 yards away when you can pick up a radio? This is true. I, and I will, I will, I'll volunteer. I will raise my hand. Um, <laughs> there are situations that I experienced where it was like, they knew where we were, we knew where they were. And it was like, sun comes up and it's like, all right, boys, let's start shooting at each other. Right. And it literally was just a constant day long exchange of gunfire. And we, I was taking shots at 12 to 1500 yards. Cause that's how far away we were from the edge of the city. Yep. So it's like, well, dude, it's, I, I mean, direct fire weapons were ineffective at that point. So the only thing we had to worry about was indirect Yeah, and indirect is a pain in the ass. Everybody, anybody that's experienced it sucks, but I pretty much had freedom of movement to, to shoot at any target of opportunity that I could. And so you could, you know, at that point in time, I didn't understand nearly what I understand now about external ballistics and how to, but I mean, it was like, Hey, let's, um, let's try to lob a couple over there at the edge of that HESCO barrier and see what kind of dope we need. You know, we were running out of dope. We ran out of turrets yeah. because, you know, we're shooting 24 inch barreled 308s and, you know, at 12 to 1500 yards. And so the Sasser was great. The, 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 the 50 cal was great, but they're, if you get a, if you get a, a point target impact, it's kind of luck. Yeah. So, but in that situation, it's like, yeah, but if you're like in a recce role or you're on a reconnaissance or, or a mission or anything of that sort, no, nah, man, you really have to, to, to weigh those options as to whether or not you're willing to compromise your position right. to take a shot that you're most likely going to miss on the first shot because, and it's not because the data is not good. We've proven that the data can be fantastic. It's wind. It's being able to read the wind at that distance and make first round impacts. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be training out to those distances, 12, 1500 yards, um, I personally, after seeing, you know, what I saw at the schoolhouse and when I gathered the data and after knowing what I know now about external ballistics and having a deeper understanding of, uh, the, the weapon systems and just bullets in general, like, you know, I feel like, you know, the thousand yard qual for a 308 bolt action rifle is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's trash, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the reason why I say it's trash is because the, what I was able to gather and this like lines up perfectly with, um, uh, Brian Litz's Wes wheel. Um, but imagine a student that goes to the range for three weeks straight, knows that range should know that range inside and out. Right. But shooting the same exact course of fire for three weeks straight. And not only that, they go from 300 and they walk their way all the way out to a thousand. So they're essentially kind of stacking wind, right? Mm -hmm. A first round hit probability out of 32 students at a thousand yards, even after the fact is still only 40%. That's yeah, that, that is indication enough that, uh, that a course curriculum review board needs to be convened to inspect that standard. Like that's, I would say that that's unsat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, so yeah, you're qualifying, but if we're only receiving a 40% first round impact percentage at that range, then why are we shooting there? Why are we shooting right. to that distance? Yeah. Are they really being capable? Right. Right. Um, and, and it's funny. This is a, a conversation that we just had with um, the, I just had it with the um, Marsoc, the mask uh, chief instructor. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things that, that I had asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, one of the things that we're always trying to do obviously with MDS is figure out like what's relevant and what, what we can do to help, whether it be information to help guys around. And he's like, dude, to be honest with you guys that come here, um, they're coming here to learn a capability. Right. And, and right. it's not like a, it's not like where you and I and how we grew up. I mean, this is all we did. Right. Right. And I understand that, but like, if, if that's going to be a capability to you, you need to be capable Right. Right. So let's, well, de let's define capability. Right. And you need to be training in a, in an atmosphere that's going to highlight all of those individual capabilities. That's right. Very clearly. 
right? Just very, very clearly and say, Hey man, like this is what this, this is what you are capable with mm. being connected to this particular weapon system. Weapon system. That's right. Yeah. So, that's right. you know, I get, that's a great perspective. That's a great perspective. You're coming here to, to identify a capability and that's, that's awesome. Or learn a capability. That's awesome because every schoolhouse this also boils down to like the, the the people that are teaching there, like they all have to be bought in and understand what that purpose is. Yep. And you gotta be, you gotta be bought into that purpose every single friggin' day you show up to work. Because losing sight of that means that that you're losing sight of this direction of the students. And then once that happens, it's just it turns into chaos and it turns into some badge protecting bullshit. So like you have to, you have to constantly be aware of what it is that you're, that the end goal is, what am I trying to produce here? Um, I know we're kind of almost kind of bouncing around, but I did want to go back to talking about some numbers about danger space. Yeah. Right? For, yeah I'm glad for, you did. Sorry. For, sorry for the digression. No, it's all right. Um, so just to go recap some numbers, uh, I wanted to go back to your 0.8.9 with a 18 inch target. What mm -hmm. was your, what was your dope again for that? Um, so are your distances? Uh, 0.9 mils gives us 555 yards. 555 and 0.8 gives you? 0.8 gives you 625. 625. Wow, that's a big spread. Yep, and only a tenth of a mil. In terms of how wide that target looks. Yeah, so how yeah, wide yeah, it is. Yeah. So so I'm not I'm assuming that the target is exactly perpendicular to you. Yeah, to the line yeah, line of the yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. Okay. So uh, so let's talk about danger space. What is uh what is danger space in a nutshell? For uh for Okay, great. And, and this is a, this is a good skill for not even just snipers, but even even uh, riflemen because honestly, this is what a lot of like uh, OG hunters relied on with uh, 300 yard zero. Yep, exactly. So, are you asking me what danger space is? Yeah, just to give to to give these okay. guys. Um, danger space is the distance of range that your that your target is in danger of being struck by your projectile, and that is based upon the height of that target, right? So. For an 18 inch target, if I'm aiming center mass at with a 500 yard dope, my danger space could potentially be 30 yards in front of the target, uh, up to, you know, 30 yards behind the target. And we're going to run those numbers right now. But that means that if, if the target is 30 yard closer, the bullet's going to strike at the top of the plate. And if the target's 30 yards farther, the bullet's going to strike at the bottom of the plate, still vital zone radius hits. Okay, so um, this is very similar to maximum point blank range, but not quite. It's the same concept of understanding like what your uh, what your bullet is doing on its on the path to a target and where it's at along that path. That's really what we're trying to get you to understand. Uh, what what uh, altitude are you running? So for the M forty eight six, straight sea level, like straight straight up standard. Okay. And then uh, twenty six fifty for your muzzle, or for your muzzle velocity. Twenty six fifty sight height to two seven five. Two point two seven five. So six twenty five. I've got. Uh, are you doing inches or MRADs? Both. I've got it. I've got it both. Oof! This is. I already know that. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. I mean, not only really interesting, but this is. I mean, this is something that should be done in depth at school at like, the schoolhouse. You, you understand that shit. And that's what I love about the Ford off. And, and right now, guys, I know you guys can't see it, but we're running the Ford off numbers. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't have uh, Kalen's exact specs, but I've gotten general idea. So I'm using one of my numbers. So I'm curious to see what his actual numbers are. You know, these are definitely numbers. And, and sometimes, honestly, when like, when it comes to me selecting a bullet or, you know, comparing, I'm always using the Ford off to do these comparisons, you know, um, and what's nice about it, if you go down to the bottom left of your main HUD, um, you have your come up and MRADs. Let's say you're an MRADs or MOA, but you can still uh, pull it up and it will give you uh, your different come ups in MOA, MRADs, and also in inches. So um, in a classroom setting, this is typically what I'm always using is uh, the inches portion to give 
a, a better just you know to one last thing that i you know want these guys to do is try to convert mills to inches so the ford off does it for me so give them better perspective on like okay well how many inches is that bullet actually in differentiation by when i change altitude mm-hmm. from let's say zero to five thousand or um, whatever the case might be so yeah i got some other i got another perspective well you're working i'm working i got another perspective going here that's also like gonna hopefully create some um some thought process all right so this person are, are you done working your numbers or are you still working well i was just run, working the first couple of numbers from okay yeah i just want to uh, write dro- the, down. the drop between 625 and 555 i don't know what other numbers you were yeah. So, so let's talk about that real quick. All right. So first and foremost, like, let's just say that the target is exactly perpendicular to your line of sight and is exactly 18 inches wide. 555 is 3.8 mils. 625 is 4.7 mils. So 0.9 difference. Um, 0.7 mils equals 714 yards. And that dope is 5.9 mils. And at 0.6 mils wide, that gives us a range of 833 yards with a dope of 7.9 mils, full two mils. Okay. So as targets, you know, as targets get farther away, the more difficult it is to interpolate where the exact edge of the target is. Okay. It's it's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, now you can break your reticle down into, um, uh, like 0.95, 0.85. You can do that, but usually that's going to, that's going to be under really ideal conditions. And what most people will end up doing is they'll kind of like, they'll kind of extrapolate in their own minds as they look at it. And they're like, there's no way it can be this. It's gotta be that. So let's just go ahead and say it's, you know, it's 0.65 or whatever, and that'll get you a little bit closer. So. Now let's just assume let's 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 uh, you know throw this variable in here. Let's just say that that target is slightly candid to you, all right? Slightly candid to you, and the reality of it is is that you think it's 18 inches wide, but it's really 16 inches because it's canted. All right. So if you milled it at 0.8 and you thought it's 18 inches wide, you shoot that thing for 625 yards. The reality of it is is that the target's really at 555 yards. That's what you're going to miss. That, that's with assuming that it's a 16 inch target or it no, really is a 16, but you thought it was an 18. Right. Because it's canted to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and trust me, dude, like it, it could be canted like a, a, a couple of degrees and it's going to yeah. shorten that thing. It's really, really quick. Yeah. And so that bullet's going to land at 555 yards and you're going to be like, yo, what is going on? It's like literally the sheer look of terror on a student's face because now they're not, they're not, um, they're, they're lost. They're like, none of this shit makes sense now. Like, is my dope jacked up or is, you know, what, what's the problem? And they're not at that point in time yet to be able to figure that out. They're not, they haven't shot enough yet. So this can be extremely confusing. And yes, like I, I know the old snipers, the old snipers out there, you guys are going to be like, well, I fucking did it. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, I did it too. Right. And so did Philip. And so did a lot of other dudes in the past, but we need to be looking forward into what is real and what is, what is truly possible. Now you want to jump in with like a 300 wind mag, right? You want to, you want to do that with a 300, that's a different story because now our danger space is going to be a lot greater because that cartridge is firing more flat. Now, yeah, you could do, you could reasonably take a guy out to, out to 800 yards on unknown distance using a 300 wind mag. You totally could. And it's well within reason with the ability to measure to a 10th of a mil and the ability to um, have a weapon system with that great greater amount of danger space. So there is that. And so it's like, we have to be staying at the forefront and saying, you know, okay, what is this a really legitimate standard? What are we, what are we doing right now? So if I had a, let's say I had an 18 inch just box, right? 18 inch tall um, instead of just wide for 625. 
um, my danger space is, you know, so if I, if I clocked him at, if, if I think he's at 625, I have a danger space of 610 yards to, Six hundred and forty yards, dude. So I've got a I've got a thirty yard danger space essentially at six hundred at six hundred at six hundred and and again that's putting your bullet in your with intention not like oh at least I'll I'll probably hit him in the pelvic no you know that's not that's not the that's not the goal of precision marksmanship you know what I mean. It's, it's, so we got to look at that and say, okay, so at that point in time, we should be using TRP stuff. Yeah. We should yep. be using TRP yeah. stuff and using body holds. And honestly, that, I mean, I still remember that being my workflow when I was, you know, a, a team leader is come on site, start observing, get class up with nods and, 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 uh, you know, um, nighttime devices, build a range card with what you can see, right. Obviously what would, it's going to pop out under, you know, um, depending on what kind of loom you had or just like big, big features. Right. And then once you hit uh, BMNT or, I mean, um, uh, where once you hit your little bit of daylight, I mean, immediately the range finder came out and I was hitting every TRP that I, I thought possible that I could put on the range guard for the team, you know, yep. um, and, and hopefully that's still being, you know, cause I know every unit has their SOP, but I mean, carrying that on to hunting, like, like I, I, I talked about this in class, you know, a couple of weeks ago is, you know, as soon as I got to my glassing spot, the very first thing was pull my rangefinder out and figure out, okay, Hey, I know that I don't want to shoot anything further than 600 yards. So where's my 600 yard limit in a 180 degree fan. And then I marked myself off to be like, okay, I know I can shoot anything within it. Something pops up, but if something pops up for, further than that, then I need to now come up with a way to get around to closer area to um, shoot that target mm -hmm. agreed yeah man this is just one of those it's one of those things that it's uh it can be an uncomfortable topic to discuss but the reality of it is is you got to look at the numbers guys and you have to go okay yeah like this is not it's not reasonable i'm not even going to achieve if i'm off by a tenth of a mil i'm not even going to achieve um a, a hit in the in the body right because even if we look at you know 0.8 is 620 625 yards that's 105 inches of drop and 0 0.7 0 0.7 mils is 152 inches of drop it's not even you're not even close at that point i mean so we've got to really take a look at this and start talking about it and going hey so what's the solution what are we going to do? You know, one of the things that um, I was just doing the other day, uh, just on YouTube is I was starting because um, I still haven't gotten any kind of insight on the recon cyber course. I, I've got a general understanding of, of the new, um, but, uh, and I know, you know, uh, social media or just, um, you know, news network is the last thing to get like actual value information. Sure. But um, yeah. I was on YouTube and, and they, uh, Throughout the whole course, they had uh, Black Rifle Coffee coming out, and uh, yeah, they recorded. I, yep. and And you'd be surprised. And I was actually really happy with what I saw, even though it was a small glimpse of just the again the advancements that that course has made from what is currently, from my understanding, currently being taught at the schoolhouse. Yeah, so that's so good, know, man. Yeah, and I know, I know, I know the POI of... is changing soon. From, again, from my understanding, but I know with the last year, you know, a couple of schoolhouses are still running the old POI. Okay. Yeah. Okay. POI well, stands for I, Program of Instruction oh, yeah. for guys that are, that, are, that are listening, which is the curriculum set forth by the Marine Corps uh, that each schoolhouse uh, has to perform. And, and so this goes back to you know, let's, let's talk about the, uh, our Ellie brothers, right? One of the things that I'm starting to realize with our Ellie brothers is that there's no standardization whatsoever for a basic Ellie qualification. 
Oh yeah. Right. You know, some, um, and, and I saw that when we did MSTOA with, Hey, you know, guys were raising their hands, um, asking about this. Hey, this is what we did at our Ellie basic wall. And then, you know, other guys were like, like throwing like questions. I was like, well, at least you had a rear bag or whatever. Like we had to use our hands, you know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't leave anything past a hundred yards, hundred yards. Right. Um, so at least one of the things that I knew, even though like we had was different conditions, like everyone that went through the Marine Corps scout sniper basic course, you know, week one through week 13 was all the same, you know, and you had to hit your exact same qualifications, um, in order to progress throughout the course, you know, maybe they shifted, um, you know, a few times in terms of like logistically, Hey, maybe they fit, uh, the Sasser qual or Sasser, you know, course of fire earlier in the season because of range rangeisms or, uh, early in the course, but that's really about it. Right. For, for the most part, uh, the way the course is designed is so if a, a and how, st- uh, staggered the courses are is if someone, you know, failed, stalking in second phase and, and Pendleton, they can go over to Geiger and pick up, you know, second phase, um, in Quantico, whatever the case might be. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was to obviously keep up with the, um, uh, just keep up with, uh, you know, making Marine Corps scout cypers, you know, because there's just a vicious cycle of guys getting out after four years or, you know, mm-hmm. there's just no, there's no incentive for guys to stick around the, um, regular grunt grunt battalions continuity is tough man it really is it's super tough well so, i i mean i guess look I, I think we accomplished what we needed to accomplish right we talked about this subject and you know this is this is a subject that's really easy to to, to like beat a dead horse but you just have to look at the capability of your of your weapon system and say okay well we're is this a reasonable, is this a reasonable expectation to test somebody on given the capabilities of the weapon system that we're testing them with? Um, now six, five Creedmoor, like, yeah, that's a different story. You know, that would be kind of cool to see that if you could increase scores, increase first, first round hit percentages with a cartridge, that's more forgiving with regard to danger space. I mean, I don't, I would never want to say absolutely because that's not always the case it, you're like everything in this game is bizarre. Sometimes you get thrown some pretty crazy curveballs, but that would be a cool thing to see. You know, if you, if you change the cartridge to a more efficient cartridge, would you see better scores um, utilizing the mill relation formula specifically uh, than you would with 308s? And then could topic. You correlate that to, to yeah. danger space. Yeah. Good topic. I know it was a question that we received in our inbox uh, a couple, couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, a guy that had just graduated uh, from one of the, one of the schoolhouses. I don't think it was particularly the Marine Corps schoolhouse. I think it was one of our brother um, departments, uh, whether it be the national guard or the army. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just if, if you're, if you listen to this and you're, you know, you could be in a, in a, uh, you know, position of change, uh, it's easy to just sit down, roll the numbers and then, and then pass it up. And that's exactly, and unfortunately nothing ended up not changing, but there were questions being raised. But, um, when I gathered that data for the schoolhouse and I literally just using Excel spreadsheets, um, I would manually input all the data after every range and stuff like that, ones and zeros. And like I said, I collected at least five or six courses of known distance and unknown distance, right? And like the only, and the question that that I had is where did we get 80% from, mm, right? Good question. In terms yeah. of like, okay, why is marksmanship have to be a minimum of 80%? And is it the student maintaining 80% or is it the weapon system that maintains 80%? Yep. And um, at no time for first run impact does at a thousand yards um, the class ever achieve 80%. I think the highest is still like a 50, mm-hmm. uh, but a first round impact on a full 20 by 40 um, only maintains an 80% at about 600 yards. Once you get yep. to 700, it drops off to like 70 something. And then obviously picks up after like the three shots. Uh, to um, like 80, 80-ish percent, but then 800, 900,000 just drops off, you know, 50, 
or like 60, 50, 40. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure, man, I, that's, I, I'm super pumped that you, that you kept all that data because it's really cool to see it. Um, and, and hear you talk about it because it's stuff that, that needs to be tracked. It's, it's the, that's the stuff that needs to be tracked. And if y'all are at the schoolhouse right now, we strongly encourage you guys to do so. Cause I'm kicking myself for not doing it when I was teaching there. Yeah. I just didn't have the wherewithal. I was literally learning so much stuff every freaking day that it was just like almost overload yeah. to, to yeah. some extent. And so, um, the, that's a great question. Like the 80%, you know, like looking at that and, and saying, where does that even really come from? And, um, 80% on one range is not 80% in terms of skill level on other ranges. Yeah, that's right. So, it's also, I, I truly think that there needs to be, uh, I think there needs to be a baseline established from an instructor, right? You establish the baseline for that particular day and the instructor sets the, the instructor sets the tone. That's right. And I, and I really, I truly believe in that because yeah. that is the way that you can truly maintain a, uh, a, a qualification course with integrity. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, man, that there's dudes out there that, that are not shoot because you're not practicing enough, right? You're not yeah. practicing enough. You don't have enough opportunity to practice. Yeah. But if you were shooting with your class every day, right? And you were actually like shooting with them, then yeah, like you that dude, you should not be asking that dude to do anything that you can't do right then and there. That's right. With, right the same, with the same exact conditions. Yes, exactly. Yep. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good point too. And, um, I know that's like a, that's, a, that's a pretty, that's a, a pretty far bridge because there's a lot of other shit that people have to work through before they're willing to put themselves out there in front of their students like that. But that's the bridge you got to cross in order for you to truly embrace being a teacher in that space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and I don't think honestly, it's, it's not, I don't think it's that far of a reach. Um, it, it's not that far of a reach for instructors right now at, at the schoolhouse. Um, and I, and like I said, I, I think that should be like a, a standard, right? It's like, Hey, this fucking today on qual day, it's this instructor here that, you know, maybe shoots, you know, once or twice throughout the whole course. Right. Mm -hmm. But in theory, he's supposed to be already a master of this specific task. So sure. guess what, homeboy? Here's your here's your 35 rounds, and you're shooting you're with shoot. you're shooting with the students. Yep, you're shooting with students. And, today if, and if that is the best, you know, if 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 uh 28 out of 35 is the best that are already someone that has mastered this task that they can shoot that day, right? So cold, be so be it. That is that is literally the standard that all the rest of the students should be held to. And you, you know what you'll find? You'll find better numbers in the scout cyber community. Yes, you will. And you'll find better numbers and you're going to find, you're going to find dudes that are truly connected with what the fuck they're trying to do while they're teaching at that schoolhouse. Yep. Yep. So hell well, yeah, this was a good, this was a good one. I'm glad it was, it was a, it was a technical topic that I really wanted to bring up and I'm, I'm going to compose an article on it and I'm going to post it. So that way, um, for those of you guys who are looking for some additional data, um, to share, I'm going to go ahead and do that for you and, um, expect that thing to come out in the next, I don't know, probably 10 days or so. It's going to take some, it's going to take some thought to sit down and, and compose it. So that way it's, it's clear and concise and people can understand it that aren't always shooters. Right. So that's another part of what we do, right? We gotta be, we gotta be good teachers, and we cannot have any uh, thoughts of implied knowledge, right? So you're truly the subject matter expert when it comes to this skill. And so therefore you need to understand that the people that you're advising have zero understanding of what it is that you do. And that's the way that you have to be communicating with them. You cannot assume that they have any implied knowledge other than basic, you know, basic tactician, tactical knowledge, right? So that's it. Cool. All right, guys. Hey, um, we again, if you guys listen to this, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, check out uh, just some housekeeping stuff. I, I know 
Um, you know, we we started off when we started doing this podcast without any too much of our infomercials, but you know, uh, a lot of times we do get questions uh, about our classes and like, hey, can you you let us know on the podcast when stuff is? So um, we've got some in person classes. You've actually got one this weekend, right? Uh, yep. Out in Yakima, um, uh, technical yep, the the uh, long range hunter or technical rifle hunter. Yep. Um, we've renamed it to long range hunter, <clears throat> and then. Um, We've got uh, Pig River coming up, which is an intro competition course, uh, the 8th, 9th, 10th, 8th through 11th, and then the 13th yep. through 15th is an advanced precision rifle. That's in Rocky Mount, Virginia. Um, and then super we've got... Super rad venue. Super rad venue. And then we've got a class down Rifles Only Texas uh, Mover Clinic. And we've got uh, advanced uh, precision rifle as well. So check that out. And Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you guys um, tuning in. Yeah, man. Totally so. dig it. Awesome, man. Well, until next time, guys, y'all know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Peace. Out.